unpacking the many crises that shape who we are and what we believe in. This is Identity Crisis Collective with Chloe and Jake. Hello, dear listener, and welcome back to the Identity Crisis Collective podcast. If you liked our episode last week about nostalgia, all things good from the 90s and noughties, uh, we're basically doing the polar opposite. We're going to make you feel bad <laughs> yeah. um, for things <laughs> that happened. Make you feel real bad. <laughs> to people who were popular in the 90s and noughties, um, this episode comes with, I think, a, a, quite a detailed content warning, which we'll put in the yes. show notes. Uh, you'll be able yeah. to read that there. We're talking about people who have, among other things, been cancelled um, or have been found guilty of heinous crimes. Actual crimes. <laughs> and actual, actual heinous crimes. So you can imagine the sort of things that will come up, but... There is a, a, a lengthy uh, warning in the show notes. There are also support avenues there. This may not be the episode for you. That's what I'm trying to say. Last week, we ended on a great note, which was everything in the past was wonderful. Um, <laughs> and I've written in the notes, everyone in the past was horrible. Um, yeah. yeah. What, 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 why? Why, why are so many famous people awful? Like, um, because they get to do whatever they want. <laughs> there are zero consequences, which we will see from a lot of like the people that we're going to talk about. Like, the amount of consequences that a lot of them have faced are very, very little. And that's the thing that I always get really—I uh, don't know the word. I'm going to say confused about. I think when people discuss cancel culture as a as a concept, because it seems to me that most of the people who are you know, being cancelled aren't really having much in the way of repercussions. And if anything, if they are, they're just consequences for their actions in the most part. The thing is about, like, being famous is, like, you get to do whatever you want. And, like, yes, there's consequences in your, like, personal life and blah, blah, blah. But, like, for a lot of people, like, legal consequences are important and necessary. Like, yes, the justice system sucks, but it's there for a reason. (laughs) And, like... You can't just get away with doing horrible, horrible, awful things and then just being like, teehee, I get to do community service by, like, owning a charity. Like, okay, congrats. You're a loser. It's exactly that. And we often frame those discussions around what happens to the person who's been accused or the person who's been charged or found guilty or whatever it might be. And there's very little, I think, that, frames the discourse around someone who's an alleged victim and I think that that's quite disappointing and I know that obviously the Me Too movement's kind of shifted that a little bit but I still think by and large and there are reasons for it like we've hinted before that defamation law in this country is so so appalling it is so Mm -hmm. stacked in the favor of the people that have power and we're talking about you know by and large people who are victims of this sort of thing they've been disempowered and the legal system isn't there really to support them. And I think that I think that's not necessarily a great outcome. I don't think it's no, fair. I, I don't think it's right. Probably not. <laughs> no, it's, definitely definitely not. You've got a list in front of you of some names of people who have done some pretty crappy things, to say the least. Um <laughs> Yeah, to say the least. Let, let's chat about them because I think Okay, we've got Chris Brown on there. We'll start with that because let's start with things I know, right? So Chris Brown's music was the epitome of R&B in the mid to late 2000s. And he still pops up every now and then. But really, the allegations with um, his violence towards Rihanna were very well known. They certainly weren't. It wasn't really hidden away. It was 
very much talked about, and I and I no, and I know that not only was it talked about, and I laugh I, like this is terrible, but that's just the immediate reaction I have, which is it was discussed in media that would then go and platform his music. So there was the discussion oh, of like absolutely. how t- how terrible is Chris Brown? Anyway, here's the new Chris Brown song. And I, yeah. I just find that strange in retrospect. I, I understand that the media climate of, say, 2007 was very different to 2021, but I just find that really bizarre. It was it was insane. And also, like, keeping in mind as well that not only are they the people who platform his music, but also people who are making jokes at the expense of Rihanna and not at the expense of Chris Brown, who was an abuser, like... Yeah. Are we not like everyone was doing it? And obviously, like we said, like the the social climate and like things that you could make jokes about, and it, not that you should have, but the things that were appropriate um, in social context for some reason to make jokes about were making fun of Rihanna for being the person who was horrifically abused by her boyfriend, and like that's insane. And he like because of things like that, it was like he just like got off scot free. I know he did. He did like 180 days community service or something like that. Like that was his sentence. And it's uh, and that's an example of a case that was very public. It was, you know, another celebrity, you know, another musician, another artist who was the victim of this. And that was the treatment by people was ridicule, you know, by and large. There was yeah. a lot of sympathy too. I don't want to rewrite oh, yeah, history. Obviously. But there was also, as you rightly say, there was a lot of derision that was jokes made at her expense. Oh, absolutely. And, like, I watched the other day, like, when researching this, I watched an interview of her that she did with Oprah talking about this whole situation and stuff like that. And she was like, everyone was talking about it, but it happened to me. Like, it happened to me and I'm a person and I had feelings and, like, no one cares <laughs> that I have feelings. And that just, like, made me so sad. There was so much about the interview that made me sad. She had a very classic victim of domestic violence um, outlook, which was, oh, but I still care about them, so I want them to be happy and I don't care about me still. I still don't care about me. And that yeah. was, like, really very difficult to watch. But also, like, it, it was so strange because seeing someone with a platform say but I didn't care about me, I cared about him. And then having the rest of the internet say, yeah, yeah, we cared about him too. It was like, oh, that sucks, dude. Like, and what's that telling? Like, like this is someone with a platform, right? Who can stand up and who can, can fight against someone. What's that saying to like regular women or regular men, like victims of domestic violence? What, what is that saying to them? That even someone so famous and like incredible as Rihanna is just getting like drugged through the mud. Yeah, it's exactly that. And it sucks. It sucks. And that was like the whole conversation around the whole thing was like 50% of people being like, ha ha ha, Rihanna, she's a dead blah blah, like idiots. And then another 50% being like, yeah, but like, I still like his music. You can separate art from the artist, which like, fun fact, you can't. Like, that's my opinion. But like, I don't think that you can. Like, would you be okay if someone was hurting you on a regular basis and just like, a bunch of people just giving them money all the time and they're super successful and like their art and their thing that they love is like getting recognized all the time and like getting tons of money for it like that would mess you up so much that would mess me up for real and i think the 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 academic argument about separating the art from the artist comes from a place 
entirely, you know, it, it, it doesn't relate to something like this. It comes from a position yeah. of saying at some point the artwork, whatever that might be, be it a song, be it a, a, you know, a piece of art, a painting or something, whether that has a life of its own beyond what the creator intended. That's largely what the argument or the, the philosophical idea surrounds. Yeah. It has a lot less to do with saying that I can listen to uh, this terrible person's music or a person who's done terrible things. I can justify listening to their music or supporting them financially because I can separate the art from the artist. And that's become a bit of a catchphrase and it's become a catchphrase particularly in the Australian music scene where we have plenty of examples of members of bands doing awful things, not only mm-hmm. to people in the industry, to people outside of the industry. And it being seen as acceptable to continue to platform those bands or those artists because we can separate the music from the pretty shitty things that they've done. And, yeah, and, and that's not fair to the victims. Like, it's just not. It's also disingenuous. And I, like it, it totally misses the point of separating art from the artist and the, that philosophical notion, right? It, I think, instead becomes really an excuse for people to not be confronted by what they're consuming and not take responsibility for what they consume. And in saying that, I don't think it should solely be the responsibility of the consumer at the end of the day. And music is a product, whether you like it or not. And this is an opinion, but it's true. Music has become a product. It is something to be consumed. You are a consumer. You're not a listener. You're a consumer. I don't think all the responsibility necessarily should lie at the consumer. I think platforms have a job to choose carefully who they are platforming or not platforming. Yeah, definitely. Um, the Spotify's of the world, the radio of the world, the you know we still have music TV, barely. Those platforms, they have a responsibility. I don't think it Absolutely. should be left to the consumer. But at the same time, I, I think that it is it is up to the consumer to have a little bit of an ethical viewpoint on it. And moreover... I also understand this because I understand why for me I can gladly say I don't I won't go out there to listen to Michael Jackson because mm-hmm. I find what he has done repugnant. And so I can easily say I'm not going to go out there and listen to Michael Jackson's music. But also because and this is the this is the the clincher for me personally I'm not the world's biggest Michael Jackson fan. Well, there you go. That makes it real easy. That for makes you. it easy for me. Whereas, yeah. if it's an artist where someone like a David Bowie or the Rolling Stones, where you have artists who were predominantly and very predominantly male artists of the 60s, 70s, and 80s who had relationships with teenage girls, I find Elvis. it. Oh, exactly. You know, you can, and those aren't the only ones by any means. I'm not trying yeah. to single them out. But there's an example of an artist where I go, well, I have a, a lot of respect for them as a musician. I find the separation harder. So the point I guess I'm trying to make is I have sympathy, right? I have sympathy for yeah. the fact that it's difficult to separate yourself from that. But I and, and that is then I think why platforms have a responsibility more so than a consumer does because it's really hard once you've got an attachment to a song – because, yeah, you can kind of separate art from the artist in that David Bowie did not go and make a, a, a mural of himself when he died. Someone else did that. And I went and saw that when I was in Brixton. It's absolutely amazing. It's a wonderful mural. That shows the impact that he as an artist had. The art yeah. does live so some to some degree beyond that of the artist. It is just that, you know, 
the degree to which you can say you separate their behavior from your consumption habits and feel comfortable about it. Yeah, well, I think it's easier in those examples, like when an artist passes away, like Michael Jackson, like I don't mind as much as I did when he was alive. Not that I was like really super cognizant or like had any idea what was going on because I was like 10 when he passed away. But it's easier when they pass away because you understand that that money is no longer going to someone who did horrible, awful things. It's going to his family. There are people that would have been a part of his team that weren't awful, horrible people that still need that revenue. So it's easier. I feel like it's easier to separate the art from the artist once they've passed away. Oh, and also... when they're alive, it's like you can't... You cannot give money to people. Like, I don't know. This is me, like, ethically. Like, I feel like you can't give money to people who have hurt people. I think if if there's people who are, who are genuine victims of someone and someone's actions, like, how? I don't know how you can continue to just like, here you go, have all this money. Oh, you have a victim? Don't know their name? Don't care. Catch you later. Like, it sucks. And that, and that also actually raises a really interesting point around the creative process and who gets the money. Because at the end of the day, you have people signed to record labels a lot of yeah. the money goes to them. It goes to the record labels. Exactly. It goes to the publishers. And then it's like, how liable are the record labels for things that happen? It's just like, it, it's so confusing. But I just think like in your heart, you have to think for yourself. And, and what would you want if you were a victim? Would you be okay with the person who hurt you in whatever way continuing to make money and, and continuing to be recognized for the thing that they love the most? No, like I wouldn't be okay with that. And I'm not okay with putting that on other victims. Yeah, and I, uh, what I find also disingenuous is the idea of like being falsely accused of something, which happens, and it's really tragic when it does happen, and it's no one wins in that scenario at all. But then that being used as an excuse to say, well, it's someone's only made an allegation, you know, it doesn't really count until it's gone to court and it's been proven. And... Well, that doesn't work. It like, doesn't, that's just not that, real life. That isn't real life. And, I mean, there's allegations that are made with very little evidence. There is allegations that are made with plenty of evidence. And you as a person could ethically make a decision based on the evidence at hand well before anything ever gets anywhere near court. I think Absolutely. It's, but I think that sort of expectation of innocent until proven guilty, I understand the concept, but also I think when there is evidence presented, it goes a bit beyond a hypothetical. It becomes yeah, real life. Absolutely. And I think in, in those circumstances as well, like my opinion, especially in cases of sexual assault or abuse or R word, I am inclined to believe the victim, not only because I've been a victim myself, but also because I understand as someone who not personally, but has seen the legal battle behind things like that and how awful and treacherous that is, especially if you're going up against someone who is in the public eye and is a public person. The amount that you go through just to get to the end of the court case, honestly, because who knows what the outcome is going to be. If we're being honest, it's not often in the favor of the victim. In those situations, like the the victims are really like they're getting drugged through the mud. Like they are being pushed down every second that they get and the amount of stuff that they're going through, the benefit versus what they have to actually go through, it's not worth it. Like if if anyone's ever thought of doing that, like it's not worth it at all. Like you your psyche will be broken down. Like that is just what happens in court cases. They do not care about 
victims. It's just like a that's just kind of how it is, and it sucks. It's, it's procedural. It's all about yeah, procedure. exactly, exactly. And they have to ask the hard questions. And for a lot of people, you shouldn't have to hear those hard questions. Like it wrecks you. It wrecks you mentally. And I can't imagine doing that ever for any other reason aside from getting justice, genuinely getting justice. Exactly right. And 100%. And I, it's, it's not something that I'm necessarily going to understand, but I get it. I, and I think, like we're seeing at the moment, there's a couple of um, high-profile cases involving sexual assault and alleged alleged sexual assault, because you've got to say the, the A word or else you get sued with defo. Um <laughs> But the cases that are, I would say probably clear cut, there is evidence for. I don't think in any way that people are wasting their time by taking this to court. I think there is a genuine um, miscarriage of justice that needs to be corrected. Yeah. But then you get to a stage where you get to court and you get cross-examined, and within reason, there are and within reason is a very loose term as well. But yeah. there's pretty much no question that's off limits. That's exactly right, and and they do a like. Defense attorneys do a really, 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 really good job of making it look like a false allegation. Well, yeah, that's like that's that, literally that's their, their job. job. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and they do it really well. So, like, congrats for you, but also, you're a bit of an asshole. <laughs> like, but, maybe look at yourself in the mirror one time. <laughs> I mean, their, their entire professional job, in a, if you're a defense a defense lawyer or a defense attorney, is to instigate doubt. It's yeah. to project, project. It's to project doubt into the mind of the jury or the judge, and they do that well. That's their purpose. For, that's their job. I know I'm really just repeating you at this at this juncture, but <laughs> you can see where the systems are the way they are. They're wrong, but yeah. I can see why it is the way it is. Um, I want to circle back just a bit. Mm-hmm. We we're talking about music. I think. There's, we've got a lot of music examples. I know there's some, some acting ones as well, but I don't enjoy cinema at all. Um, <laughs> the Kesha versus Dr. Luke example is really interesting because... It is. Uh, it I say interesting is. in the sense of in relation to talking about uh, where money goes and the ethics of consuming because Dr. Luke has songwriting credits. Yeah, for which means like everything. <laughs> for everything, which means that every cent, every uh, whatever cent of a cent of a cent that you get from a Spotify <laughs> stream now, but every any amount of money that you spend on a Kesha song from like 2008 has or had songwriting credits from Dr. Luke. So yeah. you're indirectly funding someone that you find morally repugnant and you don't That's get a exactly choice. Right. You don't mm-hmm. actually, well, you, you do, you get two choices. Either you don't consume, or you pirate. Actually, that's probably a choice. Legally, you've only got two choices, which is you do what you consume, and so you give a a portion of that money to someone that you find morally repugnant, or you don't consume. Those are your two choices. And then you got a case like the Britney Spears. Um, I was going to say saga. That's a wrong word. The Britney Spears conservatorship case at the moment, where it looks like finally her father is going to be has been suspended as conservator, and hopefully she's free from this conservatorship. But they're talking about control of her income as part of that, which means that when you're streaming her music or supporting her, mm-hmm. that money was, now that he's been suspended from that, but was going to a conservatorship, which in part is managed by someone who you, again, find morally repugnant. And that is exactly. a consumer. And this is why oh when God, I say, 
I, what do you do? And that's why I say platforms, I think, have more of a role here than the individual consumer does. Yeah, because you're absolutely. not empowered. You can't go and say, I want you know, the portion of, my, of the money that I'm going to spend on this song, whatever amount of it it is, or this song or this album, whatever the product is. I'm going to, that portion, I want part of it, you know, this percentage can go to the songwriter or this percentage can go to the singer because that decision isn't made by you. And even if you think that there is someone who is underappreciated in mixing that track, you know, I know a lot of um, sounds recorders and sound engineers who get treated like absolute shit in the music industry. They probably deserve about a hundred times more of the royalty portions that they actually get, right? They get a ridiculously tiny amount. I maybe that maybe that's the model. Maybe that's how we fix it. But also, I think that isn't going to happen because that's everything is tied up in contracts. Everything is yeah, predetermined. It doesn't work like that <laughs> because everything is signed away. And so, if we don't have a model where you, as the consumer, actually get to make that direct choice, then you don't really have the power. So then it does come that's back it, to the yeah. platform. And then I wonder whether me getting making a point about what you find ethical, whether it actually really matters, because at the end of the day, you can't change what happens. You can't change. Yeah. I feel I think helpless. Thing, I feel really helpless. <laughs> no, it's it's very like it's very true. And it's similar to like how I feel about like ethical consuming in general, like ethical consumption of animal products and ethical consumption of clothing that's not made by like children in a country getting paid like eight cents but in this situation i think something that's really good and you will probably disagree because you're like mr radio guy but like no one listens to the radio anymore (laughs) like everyone has spotify and i'm assuming that that's like people under 40 or whatever but lots of people have spotify and they have streaming services that are not the radio which is good because when i listen to the radio i cannot tell you how many times in one hour session i hear songs that i know for a fact were produced and the money is going to dr luke i know that correct and so it's and yep. it makes me like sad and it makes me sick. And I'm like, I don't want to listen to the radio. I want to be able to pick the music that I'm listening to. Not only because like ill ads and ill people talking, I don't care. But also like, I at least then I know where my money is going. Regardless of how many cents of cents of cents it is, at least I have a better understanding of that. Because here's like a little fun fact that a lot of people don't know. Dr. Luke has produced and written a lot of music a lot a lot a lot of music like not just like a few Kesha songs like a a ridiculous amount of music including very popular songs that are currently very popular on the radio right now all of Doja Cat's entire most recent album was produced and co-written by Dr. Luke he is getting money every single time that any of her songs play on the radio and that's sick. It's sick that he's able to just, like, continue working. And, like, yes, obviously, innocent until proven guilty, even though I don't think that. I believe the victim. I don't care, right? But regardless of if he did what Kesha said that he did or not, he still has been shown from, like, other artists that he's not a good person. Like, regardless of whether he did specifically do something awful to Kesha other artists have come out who have worked with him in support of Kesha and said yeah that guy sucks so why does he get to just like make music 
and get a lot of money, like a lot, like so much money. It's crazy how rich this guy is because, and that's how he's able to pay for all of his counter lawsuits against Kesha, against his mom, against her mom, against literally any manager that she's ever had, like against so many people because he makes so much money, like a crazy amount of money that like I will never even be able to comprehend. Because there's no, there's no such thing as ethical consumption under capitalism is what this circles exactly. back to. That's, that's, that's what this circle back, circles back to. Every time we circle back to this. The, um, so I, I just checked on, and I know this is thorough research. I went to Wikipedia um, just to look at Dr. Luke's Wikipedia page. Um, it's awful. But among mm-hmm. other things, I just want to point out that some of the artists that he has um, written or produced for include Kelly Clarkson, yep. Britney Spears, Miley Cyrus, Flo Rida. Uh, I don't know who, you know, Flo Rida, God. Uh, 303, <laughs> B.O.B. I'm talking, like, and, and to circle back again to nostalgia, songs that we grew up with or were sort of like coming to age with. Yeah, Party in the USA. Mm-hmm. Party in the USA, uh, 303, My First Kiss, amazing song. Um, yeah. Three songs off the Circus album from Britney Spears, and I get very annoyed by that, but I'm, I feel sort of comfortable because I don't think they're good songs. But not the point. <laughs> doesn't excuse it. It's, no. Uh, but that's, and that's the thing. How are you going to say to someone, I want to buy an album, but can I get Circus, uh, Shattered Glass, exactly. and Lace and Leather removed, please, because I don't like Dr. Luke? Like, you can't. Exactly. You can't avoid. I mean, in an age of streaming, yeah, maybe you can avoid that. But he he's had an impact. And the, the thing is, his work is possibly, uh, you could argue, is good. He's had a defining well, and, impact. Yeah, and that's like based on like how much he actually contributes in terms of like writing or if he's just like paying to have his name on things. Well, that's that, like also which is a, something he definitely does. Correct. Yeah. Oh God. He, oh man. He but co- like Pink, he right? So Kelly Clarkson, what, what did he co-write? He co-wrote Forever by the Veronica's. Exactly. That's what I'm saying, dude. Like, it's not like, oh, he just like is an indie producer. Like, he has produced and co-written everything. Everything. And the thing is, he, as much of an evil, awful person that he is, he is incredibly smart in how he makes his money. Oh, God. Because he has taken over every single song that has been extremely popular on TikTok in the past year have been co-written and produced by Dr. Luke. All right, Tap so. In by Saweetie. You know, tap, tap, tap in, like as in millions yeah. and millions of people on TikTok making dances to that song. He gets money every single time. All right, so just for the sake of... I know you've got another point, but just for the sake of like recent releases. So in the last two years, he's, as you pretty much said, pretty much a good half a dozen songs off Doja Cat's Hot Pink, including yeah. Say So. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah, very popular song. <laughs> Broken Glass by Kygo. Uh, there's a little Wayne song in there. Tap In by Saweetie, like you just said. Um, what else have we got that I know? There's a lot of shit I don't know, I'll be honest. Um, Juice Well, There's stuff from The Kid Leroy, mm-hmm. which yeah. hits a bit close to home being an Australian artist who should know better. Um a more Doja Cat, you know, Kiss Me More, Need to Know You Right Tonight. Like, so many songs, so many yeah. goddamn songs. Yeah, literally. Like, if anyone, like, 
please, like, if anyone is listening to this, please just go look at his Wikipedia and, like, see the music that he has produced and take it. Like, I don't know. I Like, obviously, you can do whatever you want. But as soon as I found stuff like this out, all of those songs are completely out of every playlist. And that's, like, songs that I love, songs that I grew up with, songs that are important to me in my, like, transformative phases of life. But they're not as important to me as my care for victims. Like, that's, it's, like, mountains. Like, my care for people who have been hurt by other people for no reason. Not even for no reason. <laughs> like, people who have been hurt by other people, period. Like, it's mountains ahead of how much I like this song. It sucks that I can't listen to that song anymore. But it makes me feel like I can go to sleep at night, you know? And what I also then find, you have Dr. Luke and then you have someone like Drake who is known for texting teenage girls and you have a fan base which is very female-oriented who don't seem to care. Exactly. Like, and that's, I, I that's think it's the because thing, they, they like the music. Yeah. I'm... And also the thing about teenage girls is they're teenage girls. <laughs> like, they will talk to an older man and not understand the consequences of that because they're they're the children in this situation and Drake is an adult. Drake is and 34? he's supposed to Yeah. Like fully like a fully grown adult and like is supposed to understand the consequences of not only what it would do to him in his like life, but also what it would do to the psyche of a young girl. Like, that's, it's not okay. And it's the exact same thing as the other Drake, Drake Bell. <laughs> the other Drake. The other Drake. <laughs> but he did the same thing. He did the yeah. same thing. And it's not okay. And James Franco did the same thing. But the thing is that they think that they're so high up on this pedestal that no one's ever going to say anything when they hurt these young girls. Yeah, but is this not just proof that they are high up on a pedestal well, exactly. and nothing does happen? And so exactly. therefore the, the argument can be made that this behavior is okay because there are no consequences. So well, we, we can rile yeah. about cancel culture and here's plenty of examples where there is no justice, there is no cancelling. Drake has a somehow has a music career. Drake Bell, I mean, Drake Bell is going to jail he in fairness. He is going to jail, so, so we'll that's probably not, that doesn't really prove my argument. But some, <laughs> James Franco has has an acting career, has a career yeah, in the film well, industry. James Franco has like been cancelled officially. Like I feel like no one, aside from people who don't know about what James Franco has done, like people who are well versed in like the internet are choosing not to watch James Franco things. But then there's Drake. Like th there's so many instances where it's just like some people get treated differently than others, and that's like for like Emma Roberts. I'm like saying this and I'm 100% sure that every single person is saying, what about Emma Roberts? <laughs> like, she's just some wholesome girl who was on Unfabulous and then American Horror Story, right? She was super important to me as a kid. She was really, like, I loved her and I looked up to her. She was arrested for domestic violence. And that's not okay. You cannot abuse people. I, but people just, like, forget about it because she's held to a different standard. Also because she's a woman. So committing acts of domestic violence is not considered the same when it's a woman versus a man. That's yeah. a whole other thing. <laughs> but, no, but it's, like, it's also true. and Exactly. And it works, in, it works perfectly in this context of how people are held to different standards. Like, she gets to continue to have a career and people don't talk because her partner at the time didn't press charges against her. It wasn't widespread in the media. And so she just got to 
keep on living her life. And then there's a point of like, who, like when you get caught doing something that's illegal, right? So say if it was like a DUI, like Paris Hilton or Lindsay Lohan or whatever, right? You're arrested for a DUI. I would say that if you're allowed to keep your platform and if everyone's going to continue to support you, you need to do everything that you can, regardless of whether it's, what's it called? Fake activism, what's it called? Performative activism. Performative activism. Regardless of whether it's that or not, you need to be donating money to charities. You need to spend the rest of your career saying, what I did was not okay. And this is why it's not okay. And this is how I f- how we're all going to fix it as a society. And, and using that platform to denounce completely the things that you did. But none of these people that we've spoken about have done that. None of these people. They go, oopsies, did that. Let's not talk about it anymore. Chris Brown, I love the song Freaky Friday. But him saying my controversial past. It's not a controversial past when you have literally abused your girlfriend. That's not controversial. That's illegal. Like That's not okay. And yet you go to Wikipedia and something like that comes under a section called controversy. Yeah. We treat like, it's we not- treat stories like that as controversy. Whether it's you know, someone doing something and going to jail, it's treated as just controversy, right? And I think that probably is part of the problem. It becomes 100%. just another news story or just another entertainment story, story arc, whatever. As opposed to this is something that could end like a career or this is yeah. something that you know, there there is a wrong that has been committed and it needs to be righted. And I, I think that's the, the I think the framing probably is part of that problem. Um as to your suggestions about denouncing the mistakes you've made in the past, I think we cl- clearly shows that there are people there that are in denial that they even did anything wrong in the first place. So exactly. to get them So while I agree I think that it's important, I think you gotta get past the first hurdle, which is getting people to admit that what they did was wrong. That's exactly you, right, because you, you can't be arrested for things if you don't admit it. <laughs> but, and, but also there are things that are wrong that are not legally wrong. Yeah. So it's seen as okay, which yeah. ethically is not the case. Exactly. Or may not, be the, may yeah. not be the case. And, and actually that is yet another problem, which is we're talking about ethics, which is subjective. And so you add into this whole sort of cauldron of just emotion and... There is no clear answer, I don't think. I think it's like beauty's in the eye of the beholder, I guess. Cancel, (laughs) what is it? Controversy is in the eye of the beholder. Like, I think that you can base your business on your ethics. And like I said, in the same way of like approaching ethical consumption of meat and clothing and whatever, I think you approach it in a way that allows you to sleep at night and not feel bad because like we said ethical like consumption of anything doesn't really exist under capitalism right like at all but it's like like, me me you just need to be able to sleep like that's it (laughs) yeah me going and buying an electric car is really great except that our electricity generation is still largely from fossil fuels yeah so So it's all the same business i've just made a different problem and potentially yeah. a worse problem, depending on how battery car, you know, an electric car is manufactured. There could be more problems from that. And yeah, and like giving money to people that you probably don't love, like probably don't think are like super great people. No, I, I'm not going to get the Elon stands on to me, but you know, <laughs> I love te- Tesla's look cool. Don't get me wrong, but bloody hell, I never buy one. 
And, and also, is a lot of their features necessary? Not even remotely. Absolutely not. And are they doing anything for the environment? Not even remotely. No, an autopilot is a complete disaster. But we, like, you know, that's the sort of thing where you, that is not the route, like, that is me going and buying an electric car, for instance, is not going to solve the problem. Yeah. The problem comes Nothing in how we, but like there's fundamental problems, right? The biggest issue that we have in, I think, this area where we're talking about people who are problematic or people, I hate the word problematic, but, you know, people, but they who, are. Are, <laughs> people who are controversial, problematic, have done the wrong thing, etc. Whatever your overarching term is, the issue is accountability. The issue is mm-hmm. people who do the wrong thing, do wrong by people, where there is no sense of justice, there is no way of obtaining justice. And... The issue when I say is accountability is because you have record labels or you have movie studios or whoever in the entertainment circles who, you know, we as consumers put these people on pedestals, but in those circles, they have not been taken down a peg. No one's, no one is signing up going, I'm not going to sit next to Drake. He's into teenage girls. That's not a thing. That doesn't happen. Some people might, don't get me wrong, but I don't think that happens on a large scale. There is no sense of shame. And uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that's the way out of it either, but there is no sense of shame and no sense of accountability. And I don't think we're going to have any change if there is if we're not made accountable to the root cause of these problems. Like I said, in the same way of like consuming ethical meat, right? So like being vegan or vegetarian or whatever. I think that it's kind of the same thing of people being like, well, not everyone's going to be vegetarian, so I might as well just not. So yeah, in yeah. terms of like listening to music ethically or or consuming media ethically at all, it's kind of like, oh, and that's that's the thing with, that's happening with like a lot of YouTubers because it's like more modern and it's more young people centric. It's a lot easier for everyone to crowd together and then it makes you feel better about like stopping consuming someone's art because it's everyone banding together to say this person's bad. But when it comes to music and when it comes to media, like traditional media, when it comes to things like that, it's like you're on your own if you decide to like stop listening to this yeah, for whatever reason or yeah, exactly. stop uh, uh, like stop supporting this artist for whatever reason. Like you're on your own. It's not a band together thing. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think – Cancel culture is fine. Like, I think that it's fine and a lot of people <laughs> disagree with that because I think there is definitely a lot of instances where they take it too far. But I also think that that's in the eye of the beholder as well. It's like, yes, there are tons of people who will rally together. But if you don't genuinely believe that this person has done something wrong that they need to lose their platform over, then continue to watch them. Like, give them support if that's how you feel that you need to do that you know like that's yeah. how I feel about Gabby Hanna I know like I'm gonna get cancelled for that but like I don't think that a lot of the stuff especially in comparison to some of her other cancel buddies like Tana Mojo and Shane Dawson and Jeffrey Sir, I think that they have right and reason to be cancelled however i think gabby hannah is just kind of a loud annoying person that people don't <laughs> like that much i honestly think that so it's like yeah it, that's where i get to make that decision as a consumer to be like hey cancel like you guys can cancel her if you want to i'm gonna keep watching because i like it and i'm interested and that in itself is proof that cancel culture isn't working 
because you have that choice. Well, that well, censor- exactly. That censorship because cancel culture there. is nothing and everything all at once. I think the only difference that we're seeing now is that the like the amount of people targeting one thing is so like secular like it's such a small group of people but their voices are so loud because they're all banding together yep yep and we don't have that with a lot of things now because everything is all over the place that's what i say about like music now in comparison to the early 2000s or the 2010s like the music is so different because now any indie artist can post whatever they want whenever they want and you can like it if you or you can not like it you know like but back in the day, it was like, here's all the pop songs, here's all the rock songs, here's all the country songs, here's all the indie songs. There you go. Like, it just was in front of you all the time. And so everyone kind of agreed on the same thing. But we're not in that now. Like, we don't have that anymore where everyone's all listening to the same music and everyone's all going to the same movie premieres. Like, it's not like that anymore. It's all about individual taste. Chloe, it's 2021. No one's going to a movie premiere. <laughs> all um, right. Yeah, and I think it's also just a broader symptom of that individuality thing. You know, we are it's a hyper individualistic society we live in. Yeah. The idea of people banding together is a scary one. You know, it invokes the nineteen seventies. It's not a our world is built around you. Everything's personalized to you. It's about you the person. And so you have to make those decisions because Warner Warner Chapel music doesn't want to, for instance. You know, mm-hmm. whoever that might be. The the movie studios, the record labels, the media outlets they don't want to have to make any decisions because and ironically because too many of you might get turned off if they do here's my takeaway yep is i'm going to create a list of people that i don't want to support anymore and i hope that everyone after listening to this episode goes and takes a look at their life and people that they love in their nostalgia and take a look at some bad horrible things that they've done and say there you go. There's my list of people I don't want to support anymore and I'm sticking to it. That's what I want. My takeaway from this is that I'm probably going to lose quite a few of my favourite Britney Spears songs. And <laughs> oh, I don't want to talk about it. What are drag queens going to perform now? <laughs> You're all cancelled. I've been Jake. I've been Chloe. <laughs> we will see you next time on the Identity Crisis no. Collective Podcast. Bye. <laughs> Catch you later.